Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Elliot Anderson, stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, when players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. And it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, Q, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. <laughs> now it's time for the tip-off. Well, well, well. It's the first podcast of 2013, the first Hangtime podcast, and uh, we are already 100% Seku Smith free. I'm your host for today, Lang Whitaker. Uh, my co-host is uh, in the lovely Bahamas, Mr. Rick Fox. Rick, what's up, man? Boy, it took us long enough to, to get rid of Seku, right? <laughs> Boy, it took us too long. <laughs> happy, happy, happy New Year to you. I am coming to you from the Bahamas. Seku, we love you. Happy wow. New Year to you, too. And, and, and believe it or not, I cannot tell a lie. It is beautiful here in the Bahamas, and it is actually better in the Bahamas. Yeah, man. You want me to do this whole show in, in with my accent? I thought that's a Jamaican accent for you, you know. Is that it sounds, I thought that was a Jamaican accent. No, man, I, I, I don't do Jamaican. <laughs> I would say this, um, you know, Sekou says he's sick, but I, I'm pretty sure this is tied to that Michigan game yesterday and losing to South Carolina. Uh, so, you know, they lost at the last minute. Sekou was probably pretty sure Michigan had that game wrapped up, so I, I have a feeling – uh, I don't know what his sickness is, but I have a feeling it might be tied to Jadavian Clowney and Steve Spurrier in South Carolina. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I rode a, I rode a shuttle bus between uh, the hotel to dinner last night, and there were some Michigan fans. And they were really, really upset, so I can <laughs> yeah. understand. Uh, you know, speaking, of, speaking of Michigan, uh, I'm down here in, in uh, another, well, a Michigan state, a Spartan. Uh, Magic Johnson is here at the hotel. He actually just left today, but... Uh, and his family's been here spending the, the holidays in the Bahamas. So we had a little little Laker reunion, a little Laker talk, and went and actually visited with the prime minister. And I saw Magic. I think Magic tweeted yesterday something about meeting with you and the prime minister of the Bahamas. And I was I saw that coming across Twitter, and I was like, man, Rick's living large down there. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I was meanwhile I was stuck at Hartsfield yep, Airport. Yep. I was stuck at Hartsfield in Atlanta, just hanging out waiting for a plane. All right, so we got um. We got some headlines to get to because it's been a, it's been two weeks since we talked and there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Seventeen and one. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm just hoping for their sake that 2013 is in bad luck for them because they're zero and one right now in, in the new year. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't I don't suspect that's the case. I don't suspect that's the case because you know you have Magic Johnson dubbing them a version of Showtime. And, yeah. and that's high praise considering, you know, he knows what great basketball looks like. And, and quite frankly, the, the Clippers are, are playing great basketball and should be acknowledged for that. What do you think about them being the new Showtime? I mean, to me, they're, they're a good up-and-down team. They don't, they're not quite as fast as those Showtime Lakers, but they are a, a good up-tempo team right now. It is. I mean, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder has taken 
you know, center stage in the last few years for playing that style of play, a, a style of play that won the Dallas Mavericks right. championship a few years back. And something, you know, if you really look closely at the San Antonio Spurs, something they've been exploring. The Miami Heat won a championship playing an up-tempo, defensive-minded game. And so to see the Clippers actually be successful at it and, and to string together quite, a, you know, 17 games. Anytime you string together 17 wins in a row, right. you're playing through You're playing through a part of your season where you're going to run against, you're going to come up against good teams on the road and at home. You're going to come up against really poor teams that sometimes you can lose focus and lose to. And they're not, they didn't do that. They lost to a really, really good team on the road in Denver. Yeah, that's, that's a tough place to win in, in, by itself. But I'm a believer. I believe that with consistent health, you saw that, you saw the Christmas Day Sweaters. The chemistry is there. Yeah, they're all yeah. unified. They're communicating in, in a way that's that shows me that you know they're beyond the individual approach to the game. Right. You know, Chris Paul and Vinny Del Negro and, and the veteran they are actually you know putting together some good basketball. Something's a brewing in Clipperland. Hey, well, here's my here's the question: is is what how what do we consider this to be a success? You know, how far do they have to go in the playoffs for us to consider? I mean, because this is a franchise that. Is, is known for basically futility and not doing well uh, when it comes to, to what counts. Uh, if this team, I mean, at some level, maybe winning 17 games in a row is, you know, that should be considered a huge achievement. But if this team goes and loses in the first round of the playoffs, is that all out the window? I mean, is, is this a championship or bust team? Or is this a team that should just hope to get well, to, the, to the finals? I mean, Western Conference finals? Or, or what are we, you know, what are we looking at for this team? Well, the expectations, I think, grow with each you know, increasing week of play because no longer are you expecting to see the, the Clippers of old show up right. and for, things to, for the wheels to fall off because they've now raised the level of expectation, which they've done, quite frankly, in, in one-third of a season. Last mm-hmm. year was, you know, the excitement level was there around the team. They went to the second round. You start to think, wow, this team could be going in a, in a new direction. So it was it was interesting to follow along, but now they'll start to set, they'll they'll start to get a sense of what it's like to have success and have the expectation bar be raised. And and quite frankly, second round loss it, it would be a fail, failure for them. Going I think even to the Western Conference Finals might not be enough now that they've they've shown that they're they're a team that's of the level of of, of being the best team in the league. There's two things to me that jump out with the Clippers that that or I don't know if you say question marks or, but things that I think they, they, they should be addressed. And number one is just rotation wise you know, they're already using a deep bench, which in some ways is a great thing, but they, they still don't have Chauncey back. They still don't have Grant Hill. Uh, when they add those two more guys, uh, there's fewer minutes to go around in the postseason. rotations usually get shortened anyway. I just wonder at what point are they going to be able to, to, to figure out, right. You know what I mean? Like there, there's so many guys and hopefully the chemistry is good enough that it's not a problem, but minutes are going to get cut. And I, I wonder what happens when, when that happens, so to speak. I think we all wonder because we know that's in it and in that's inevitable. We know that yeah. rotations will shorten because, uh, you know, as you get closer to playoff basketball, you want to, you want to tighten it group of eight and potentially nine if you have to go nine, because you're going to put your best players on the floor for as long as you can. And we know Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are going to be on the floor for that, that, that amount of time and that stint. And beyond those two guys, quite frankly, everyone to a degree is interchangeable. And that's a luxury, but at the same time, 
it, it can it can create co you know at times it, it can affect the chemistry or the, or the yeah. cohesiveness if you're dancing around looking for too many lineups. Yeah. And so I'm anxious to see how that how that plays in April. And then the other thing to me is that the Clippers are a terrible free throw shooting team. I mean that they're they're a really bad shooting team. They're fourth worst in the entire NBA. Uh, shooting 71% as a team. And and there's certain – I mean, there's guys on this team. Blake Griffin's a 62% free throw shooter. Um, look at that. Lamar Odom's shooting 50%. Uh, Ronnie Turiaf's 34%. DeAndre Jordan, 43%. Um, there's a lot of guys on that team who are liabilities at the foul line. And, and I wonder in the postseason when the, when the pace slows down, when you start fouling guys to send them to the line – uh, if, if you know, if it comes down to a five-point game, something like that, at some point, is that going to be a liability for them? I, I think it. I think it definitely will be. I think there's two things that are that, are, that were glaring in the in their losses, and that is when their three-point shooting uh, abandons them. Yeah. And and the three and the free throw line shows up, which is the concern around free throw percentage. You, they won't win a game. You saw they got they lost by close to 20 points, if not 20 points, to the, the Nuggets, and both of those glaring deficiencies. Were yeah. present, so you you live by the jumper, you die by the jumper, especially from behind the arc because the percentages are low, and outside of Jamal Crawford, they're not big time perimeter shoot. That's not a big time perimeter shooting team. Right. Uh, you know, Karan Butler can shoot the ball well. Chris Paul is not. You know, he can he can hit, you know, forty percent from there, but he doesn't really take very many of them. Right. Right. So therefore, if they're not making free throws, and you put those guys on the line between DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. The playoffs only brings more pressure, which makes free throw shooting percentages <laughs> go down even more. So that that has to be a glaring concern for for their team, but also for opponents. That's going to be a, a, a place that they attack them at. It's funny that we're kind of talking about the Clippers like as a championship or bust team, in a way, just because this is a team that has been so bad for so long, and all of a sudden, it, it almost feels unfair that they, they don't even get to enjoy being an elite team. All of a sudden, if they don't make it, man, we're going to throw them under the bus, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know what it is, though? I think it, it'd be, it would be one thing if they were winning, you know, eight out of every ten games. Yeah. But, when, but look, I, don't, I, I think when once in my career with the Lakers, we ran off, I think, 19 games in a row maybe. Uh-huh. And we won a championship. Like, those are, those are there's certain signs in a team in the regular season that tells you whether or not they're in it for the long haul, whether they're actually a threat to be a champion. And right. stringing together 10 wins in a row is a good sign. But when you start talking about 15, 16, 17 games, that really talks to a coach having a good sense of his team, the players, what their strengths and weaknesses are, but also that the players are policing themselves on and off the court, that the chemistry has been created, that there's, that there's a team first focused by all of the individuals and that and those mm-hmm. signs lead to championship basketball so to have that expectation or to speak to that isn't incorrect regardless of whether it's the clippers or the lakers i mean look at the other side of the, of the, of the building at staples all of those things are missing so yeah. therefore you know <laughs> what, what we're accustomed to seeing with the lakers we're now seeing with the clippers well let, let's stay on the west coast and, and you know we talked about the lakers for ad nauseum the last 12 podcasts we did or whatever but the team that's actually in between the Lakers and the Clippers in the Pacific Division is the Golden State Warriors. And, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is another team that I think we, we thought probably would take a little more time to get to where they're going to be a contender. But it's happened really fast this season for them. And, and I, I wonder if the expectations are, are getting to be pretty high for that team right now also. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, another, another team that's 
in the past few years been been hampered by you know a lack of expectations. You know, yeah. Sometimes expectations are good are a good thing. You know, you expect to deliver on uh, to your fans and your organization the level of play that we all are. A contracted to do. We're professionals. We're supposed to be great at what we do. It doesn't always equate to that in, in team success. But you know, the Golden State Warriors, as of last year, were you know, even though it was a lockout season, were, were were hoping for a future such as this. And and youth sometimes develops quickly, as we saw with Oklahoma City Thunder. It's developed mm-hmm. quickly. And in the case of the Golden State Warriors, it's developing quickly. And so you know, each time you know you, you show you show someone, you show the league, you show your opponents, you show. Your, your, your owners and your coaches that you're capable of certain things, then they're, the bar has been raised. So they're raising the bar on themselves and they keep meeting it. So to think that this team is, is anything less than a, a, you know, a fifth or sixth seed would be selling them short now, you know, and now are they a second round uh, contending playoff team? I would put the bar at that level for them. I think yeah. they can be, they can, they can be a second round playoff team. I think we, we need to give a shout out to David Lee too, because he's really, Oh man. All-star worthy, and quite frankly, you know, he keeps this level up, MVP worthy, and, and, and because well, he, he I, does, I don't know, he's I don't know going, if I'd go that far. <laughs> well, think about it. Well, think about it. Well, hold on. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. Saying MVP worthy tells me, you know, I, I, I that to me is there's maybe ten guys in the league that are at most. That's maybe that's a huge number. Ten guys in the league that are worthy of that conversation. So I said, I know it's only a third of the season, but if he keeps it playing at the level that he's playing, shooting 53, you know, up there in the 50s from the free throw, 20, 20 and 11 every game, three assists, you know, doing the glue, take, leading a, a young team. Because he's really the, he's the leader of that team in the sense yeah. of his actions and the way he's playing. And you take the Golden State Warriors, who were what, in the lottery last year, and you take them all the way up to a fourth seed, you wouldn't yeah. put him in that conversation? Uh to me, the no? MVP, I would say no, because to me, the MVP conversation, there's not 10 guys in my conversation. <laughs> okay, how many, how many guys are in your conversation? I mean, maybe three or four. I mean, I, I think you got to go Kevin Durant. I think it's. I don't even, I'm okay. not saying this, I'm not saying this in any order. I would say, but in my conversation, it's Kevin Durant, LeBron, um, Carmelo, uh, Carmelo, maybe Kobe, Chris Paul, and maybe, you know. So now you're ready past five. So a third no, of the five. way, right? But a third of the way into the season, you're not gonna put Tim Dunk. You're not gonna put someone from the Spurs in that conversation. I, I probably wouldn't, just because I think the Spurs are such a balanced team that I don't know if there's okay. any one okay. guy who, you know. Um, okay. I respect that. I respect the, that. And it's funny because I've heard a lot of people this year talk about Durant as you know this might be Durant's year to win it. Um, I mean, look at LeBron's stats though. I mean, I mean that guy. He's he's top ten in the league in, in points per game and assists per game. He's like top twenty in rebounds per game. Um, he, there's been no drop off at all from the level he played at last season. Well, uh, I think you're. I think you're five. Definitely yeah. are in the conversation down the stretch. I think yeah. in the first third of the season, I, I like to break it down. First third of the season, there's ten possible candidates. We right. know the usuals, but I think there's outs. outs like who who would have thought Derrick Rose was going to blossom that quickly into an MVP candidate by the true. end of that year? Yeah, you know what true. I mean? So so there's some people in that conversation that yeah may not be there. David Lee, you know, after the second third of the season may not be in that conversation. I just like, and when we talk about acknowledging his level of play and what he's doing across the board, I just like, I like the, I like the way he's played and I like the, what, what the Golden State Warriors are doing. And I can't help but think that he's been a huge part of that, that, that equation. No, yeah, and so he should, he should at least be 
you know, in the, in the top 10 of that conversation right he now. He totally has. Yeah, maybe we should have, like, a secondary MVP conversation. Like, you know. Yeah, the, there you the, go. All right. Well, another guy who I think going into this season, I don't know, he might have been a secondary MVP going into the season would be Darren Williams in Brooklyn. He's not playing well, and the Nets aren't playing well, and some things have happened in Brooklyn. I think we have some audio we can uh, listen to right here. They are capable of much more from what uh, we have seen in the recent weeks. And for me, this is totally unacceptable. So I respect Avery, and really I wish him well. But uh, sometimes uh, chemistry just isn't uh, right. <laughs> that was uh, Mikhail Prokhorov, the, the owner of the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets, yeah. explaining why uh, Avery Johnson, uh, who was the coach of the year in October, and I mean coach of the month in October, and the coach of the month in November, and by December 31st was no longer the coach of the Nets. Uh, it was a pretty surprising move, I think. Uh, do you think this team needed a coaching change? Right? Is that what they needed? The coaching stability uh, is, is in the league each year seems to me to get uh, shorter and shorter in terms of uh, the patient level. And I thought, yeah. it, I, look, all due respect to Mikhail Prokhorov, I, look, I've watched a lot of movies in my day, and, and anytime, something's, <laughs> anytime something's delivered with a Russian accent, you know, I'm, I'm very cautious to critique it. So, so it is his team, and I understand that the things that he's saying about chemistry and uh, the direction the team was going in was definitely not, um, not didn't match the level of uh, out the gate. I mean, there was, there was high expectation. And, you know, Mr. Prokhorov has made a statement along the line of you know expecting championships in, in in Brooklyn there in five years so so you know that that's and the team that they've assembled they felt really good about so you know you're not going to fire Darren Williams you're not going to fire that's why I say the players that are under long-term contracts aren't going to be the first to go I just know that Avery Johnson is a very good coach and as Avery said you know you go through an NBA season there are times where you have these stretches of difficult play and usually you rather them be at the beginning of the season and in the later parts of the season. And usually, look, Phil Jackson, when we played with Phil Jackson, our first 30 games was a discovery period for him. You know, seeing, letting, letting the rope go, letting the players go, letting us, you know, learn how to solve problems on our own. And, and granted, we had Kobe and Shaq and a lot of other veterans, but, you know, I, I do believe there's more in the tank for the, for the Brooklyn Nets, and, and it didn't seem to be – you know, going in the direction as as successful as the Clippers had been the last month, it was surprising to see the Brooklyn Nets be as unsuccessful. And so sometimes change happens and it happens quickly and it's not always explainable. It's not always agreeable. Uh, uh, and you can make an argument in a case for both sides. Uh, he shouldn't have been fired as well as see him being fired. I just know that I, I just wish it, it, it hadn't happened to a good coach such as Avery. And I wish they would have been able to work that out. To me, it's a, I mean, I understand that the expectations could probably be higher, but I mean, should they really be that high for this team? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we knew going into it. Well, hold on, we knew going into it, the Nets were going to be better than better than average. They were they were they're probably above a five hundred team, but I mean, they're not. They're not. I don't. I don't think anyone had them up there with Miami or or Oklahoma City as right away as a as a contending team. And and yeah, they lost some games, but you know, it's a, it's a season. It's a long thing. I was just surprised. Um, I don't. I mean, to me, I, I'm surprised that anyone thought that this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, Lang, Lang, I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree. But what I do agree with when it comes to uh, setting a bar and an expectation level 
you know, it always starts with your, from the top, from your ownership. Dr. Buss was amazing at that. It was championship or bust every year. And that was the level of expectation. Right. Well, well, you know, Rick, you pointed out that Dr. Buss had high expectations for the Lakers. Dr. Buss also had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal on those teams. I mean, I don't know if we can count a team with Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, and, and Brooke Lopez as the main guys as, as a championship-level team. I just think, to me, that it seems like there, there should have been a little bit more patience, uh, you know, or, or maybe this is the ownership saying, hey, we're, we're not going to have patience. This, you got to do this right now, and you guys got to come to play every single night. Yeah, I, I think that, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the patience is, is in, the, in, the, in the rope was really short, and I think that was because of the quick start. And then uh, the wheels fell off, and they didn't just fall off with a, you know, a loss here and there. It, they went on stretches of losses, yeah. and, and that's alarming. And so usually that that usually speaks the first sign is that in some way the players have tuned out the coach or that in some way the system is not uh, effective or it's not being worked to effectiveness by the players. But I know I, that's alarming. You, know, you don't want 29, 30 teams in the league reacting the way, yeah. uh, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, for Mike Brown as well as Avery you know, short ropes in coaching. Because now, now, you know, they're going to be sitting on their seat going, I only have 25 games to figure out what I'm doing. And if I'm not 20 and five, I could get mm-hmm. fired. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that to me is, is that's a, that's a, that's the wrong message to send to fans. Yeah. I wonder if also, I mean, you know, when, when, when uh, Prokhorov bought the Nets, a, a lot of people compared him to Roman Abramovich, who's the owner of the Chelsea soccer team in, in uh-huh. England. Um, he's a Russian oligarch who, who, made a bunch of money and spent it on this Chelsea team. And, and Chelsea has had 10 different managers since 2003. He's gone through them almost, almost won a season because um, he has high expectations for this team. And I wonder if in a little bit we're, we're seeing, you know, this, this style of ownership now come to the NBA where it's, Hey, you, you do it or you're gone. One other thought I had was, was you mentioned, uh, you know, what it's like, were you ever on a team where the coach was fired during a season? Uh, no, but I was on a team where the general manager was the coach and that was a little, that was a little, that was a little concerning. Uh, we were, we were, we were trying to win games coming out of the game in, in the third quarter when you're up and for some reason losing the lead always confused me. Um, but, but no, I'd never been on a team where, where I've been on teams where the coach has been questioned yeah. and I know what that does to a locker room where the, you know, the uncertainty of whether or not the coach is actually taking the team in the right direction i've experienced that and that is an unsettling uh, uh place to be because then if you know if, the, if management's questioning the coach then the players are going to see the window and the opportunity especially those especially those that are disgruntled about their playing time or uh and question whether or not that you know what we're doing is working especially if you're losing so but yeah. no i never the seeing this year seeing two 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 coaches go down that quick it is a bit startling yeah so well and, and, you know, last year here in New York, Mike D'Antoni leaves, Mike Woodson takes over, and the Knicks have kind of been rolling ever since then. Um, and this week they got Amari Stoudemire back. They they obviously lose their first game with Amari back. But he looked pretty good last night. I don't know if you got a chance to see the highlights or any of the game while you're basking in the sunshine down in the Bahamas, Rick. But he, <laughs> he looked pretty good, and, and I wonder how much uh, of a difference he's going to be able to make with these Knicks uh, and, you know, if he's going to be able to come off the bench and be as effective as they probably hope he can be. Well, two things I think happened. 
uh, last night. Uh, in I didn't get to see the game. Uh, 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 I was particularly, uh, I was focused on a couple other ones. Uh, but, but <laughs> was one of them a beach volleyball game? <laughs> <laughs> what I did, what I did, I was actually blackjack. And, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't gamble. But uh, what I what I did see was, or what I did read was that, you know, he played, seven, I think it was 17 minutes or so. He was three for eight, had seven points, I think it was. I hope yeah. I got that right. Uh, but that he was met with an ovation, a standing ovation, and New York was welcoming him back. And I about can he and Carmelo play together. One thing we do know is the level of Amari Stoudemire's talent when he's healthy. It puts him in, you know, in the top 20 players in the league. Definitely he's, a, he's an effective uh, big man that can do a lot of exciting things. Uh, has, it, has he and Carmelo together done a lot of exciting things in a New York Knicks uniform? No, that's why there's still debate about can, you know, are they right together. Uh, Carmelo goes for 45, but at the end of the day, there's still an L in the column. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to follow in the next 10 games here before or into before the trade deadline is whether or not this, you know, the, the, the conversation revolves around, oh, look how smoothly this is working. Look how Carmelo's adjusted to coming off. I mean, um, um, Amari's adjusted to playing off the bench or if they're going to even get him into the starting lineup and see how that works. I just know that at the end of the day, a lot of good things have gone well for the Knicks so far this year without him. And if for some reason they turn uh, in, in, the, in the opposing direction, I just hope they don't fire Mike Woodson. <laughs> I don't think Woody has to worry about that. Uh, I know, okay, Look, so the man, <laughs> They come in threes. Things come in threes. <laughs> well, Seku's number three for today. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing, so the NBA trade deadline this year is, is February 21st. So we're almost almost two months. I'm a little less than two months away from that. Um, I just wonder if Amari is going to be healthy enough by then to make a um, a clear judgment on on how he's going to fit in with this team. Because uh, some of the highlights last night, like he had a nice dunk, and but when he landed from that dunk, you could see him very obviously try to avoid the left leg and land on the, I think it was the left, but he, he obviously tries very hard to land on the, the proper knee. So he doesn't hurt the other one. And he, he didn't look a hundred percent healthy. And to me, he seems like he's got a little bit of a ways to go to, to get there. The other thing is, you know, you mentioned his stats. Um, I just called him up. He, he, he played almost 17 minutes. He had six points, um, one block shot, uh, and one rebound and a minus nine rating. I mean, the whole team had minus ratings, but basically, but, uh, you know, Watch those, out for that Portland team. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we can talk about them too, but, yeah. but real quick with Amari, the, the rebounding is the thing I think he's got to c- contribute to with this team. There's no way Carmelo should be out rebounding Amari to me, um, which he did last season. And, and I think they've got to figure out a way to get, Amari uh, to help Tyson Chandler out a little bit inside to, to give this team a, a chance to get to the finals. Well, they've survived with, you know, on Chandler's back in the paint for the first, you know, third of the season. But I agree, you know, Chandler, Tyson has done great things in Dallas. You know, Dirk, Dirk Amari, Amari Stoudemire is not Dirk Nowitzki as a power forward when it comes to facing up. He can yeah. stretch the paint with that 18-foot jumper. But he doesn't really stretch it out to the three-point line. Now he might he might beg to differ and, and argue differently. But I think you're right. I think they need him in the paint uh, at some point, creating a presence defensively as well as more you know more probably more importantly off you know defensively rebounding. 
and and then that changes the dynamic of playoff basketball for the Knicks when the you know the tempo slows down and they need to be able to control 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 the boards. Amari, what did it mean to you to come out there to that standing ovation? Oh, I almost almost shed a tear when I walked out on the court uh, with the standing ovation. It was a it was a phenomenal feeling. Um, haven't quite felt nothing like that before uh, in my career. So it's great to see that the fans were uh, were patient with me and waiting for me to return. So how did you feel getting back into it? I felt good. Uh, I was, the, the game felt like it was going 100 miles an hour uh, in that first half. Got a couple easy-looking shots, open shots. Uh, just a little bit rusty when they were to knock those down. But uh, the second half was better than my first half. And hopefully my second game be better than my first game. So hope that trend continues. Coach was talking to you a lot when you would come back to the bench. What were some of the things he was showing you? Yeah, we were talking about different schemes. I haven't played in nine months, so uh, different schemes out there offensively and defensively. Uh, he was telling me to be patient. You know, um, I haven't played in nine months, so. Uh, but it was great, great teaching on his part, and I was being a student of the game and just trying to take in everything he was saying and try to apply it on the basketball court. Health-wise, how did your knee come out of this game? I uh, felt, felt, felt phenomenal. Uh, didn't really feel much pain at all, uh, hardly any stiffness. So uh, it's a great sign that I'm able to play such a high-intensity game and still feel strong. So that's a great sign. Let's talk one one more thing here. Is uh, it's 2013 now? Um, is there a team that has caught your eye in this first third of the season that you think uh, for 2013 we should we should keep an eye out for? You mentioned Portland. I don't. Is that is that a team that we, you think uh, is kind of surprising? Maybe we should keep an eye on. I I, I definitely do. I've followed him closely here now and and beyond the, the stabilizing presence at the point guard position that Damon Lillard at such a young age yeah. and with composure and, and you know and, and it's as, as big as he's played in the fourth quarter at times I, I you know that was my glaring concern I know they have you know Batum and uh, as well as uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and, and you know Wesley hasn't been Matthews hasn't been as healthy but you know they have they have JJ Hickson come on man yeah. like this kids playing uh, you know they're 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 controlling the paint they're they're prim- they can score the ball and they're actually going on the road and winning games and I, I know they've done well at home but this is a team that were, for a minute there it was uncertain in which direction they could go in and, and the way they've played lately I wouldn't surprise me to see them work their way up the ladder and, and find themselves in the playoffs when I, I quite frankly didn't think they'd be a playoff team yeah, I, I talked to Batum the other day um, for a story I'm working on in Slam, and and he was saying it's interesting to him. To, he's he feels like he's you know the leader of this team, and he's 25 years old. <laughs> he said, but he he's been around almost longer than anyone else on that team, and it's so many young guys that he feels like all of a sudden he's the one who's kind of had to to take charge and and um, that they're all responding really well to, to what Terry Stotts has been trying to do. It, it, for me, a team. And I can't believe we haven't talked more about this team, um, being that Seku and I are on this podcast every week, is the Hawks, the Atlanta right. Hawks. That was the other team I was thinking, too. Yeah. I mean, no one's really paid much attention to them. They're 20 and 10 um, in, in the first 30 games. And and they're a team that's kind of a smaller backcourt team. They've got a lot of smaller guards, Teague, Harris, um, Lou Williams, that they interchange. Uh, you but know what Ch- it is? Is, is, is? I think it's that they're not they're not sexy. You know they don't yeah. they don't do it with a superstar. It just doesn't look dynamically sexy you know, when it comes yeah. to you know who's the star we're going to see. But Larry Drew consistently has found ways to get them to play both ends of the floor. They seem to be in certain areas more mature. 
more mature play from Josh, more mature play from Jeff Teague, and, and, and they win. They, they win just when you think, oh, you know what, maybe they're going to start to show some colors of being the Atlanta yeah. Hawks of the last few years where they beat themselves and make, you know, foolish plays and errors and turnovers. It, it, that's not been the case. So, you know, kudos, kudos to them for growing up. I think in some ways they kind of feel also you can you can see it when you watch them play without Joe there um, any longer they, they share the ball they 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 don't they know they don't have that guy to rely on it with ten seconds on the shot clock where they throw it to the guy and they clear out so they actually move the ball around a lot more and they find open guys and they also as you kind of alluded to they have these different guys Josh Al Lou Williams they really yeah. have a guy at almost any part of the court where they can take advantage of mismatches and they're really good at finding those mismatches and finding the guy who who on any possession can take advantage of that and score and they, they've been really good this year I, I think we kind of overlooked them just because of what they've done the last five years where they get to the playoffs and lose in the first round or second round but I wonder if this is a team maybe maybe we'll just keep an eye on them for the second half of the year well now I think I figured it out I think the Mayans had it wrong. <laughs> what they meant to say was that the Clippers were going to dominate the NBA and that the Atlanta Hawks were going to be. So Clipper-Atlanta Hawks finals, that's what the, the Mayans meant to say. <laughs> I'm sure our friends at Turner would not object to having a finals in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, all right, well, before we get out of here, Rick, we have some uh, bragging rights we're going to have to uh, to deal with. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. As we'll say, if our engineer Jarrell can take that Peyton Manning jersey off his eyes, we can get to the to the audio there. MVP. So, Greg, uh, uh, super, <laughs> super producer Greg Wagon, uh, can you give us uh, the standings thus far this I season? I sure can. Sekou is currently leading. He is at sixteen and nine. You and sixteen and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you right. and uh, Rick are both at fourteen and eleven. So you're only two games back. Yeah. But so, but since he's not here this week and and he's not feeling well, he he defaults right the next the next three games right automatically. There you go, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's brutal. <laughs> you know what we should do. Well, or we since, get picked for him. Yeah, since, since Rick and I are here, well, that's the thing is if we picked for Seiko, we'd probably we'd get them wrong and he would we'd pick the right games for him. <laughs> Let's try it. Let's try it. <laughs> yeah, he'd or, end up going undefeated. We could just we could you know since we could take a vote on this um, uh, between the three of us Seku Rick and myself and decide that we're just going to give Seku an zero uh, and three week. I, I I vote yay. Okay, I do too. All right, yeah, so well, that's a two thirds vote right there. Yeah, exactly. So that's 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 fair and democratic. Seku before we even start is now sixteen and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so I love it. <laughs> All right, well, three three more games this week, guys. Uh, first one being Boston at Atlanta Saturday night. Wow, Boston at Atlanta Saturday night. And because Rick and I are both here and we care about this thing, I'm going to look yes. up the uh... – <laughs> look up the, uh, the... I, tell you, I hate I hate New Year's Eve games and New Year's Day games. All my fantasy players just were terrible. I was, I was like, everyone was celebrating. <laughs> okay, for the Hawks, this is the second half of a back-to-back – First game, uh, they play Friday night at Detroit, and then they play home on uh, on Saturday against Boston. And where's uh, Boston? The I'm looking Four. Boston. This is the second half of a back to back for them. Also, oh, first, Atlanta. Yeah, first game's at Indiana, and then they play at Atlanta. And I, I would Atlanta. take, yeah, I would take Atlanta too, just because I feel yep. just younger just, legs. And historically, they 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 don't like the Celtics. 
for the past few years That's right. going on, and they played really well against the Celtics. So I'll take Atlanta also. Sekou will take Boston. Yeah, so we'll give yeah we'll give Sekou Boston. Okay. Um, second game will be Golden State at the Clippers. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I, I know I already know this that the, the Clippers. This is crazy. They have two back to backs this week, and the second half of those back to backs both times are Golden State on the road. No, not well, on the road at home. They actually so, play Golden State tonight on the road. Yeah, is it tonight's it's game a, or Saturday's game? It'll be Saturday's game. Golden State at the Clippers. So, but they play back. And it will this be the fourth? Is this the fourth of the of the four games? Fourth of five. They have four games and five nights. This is the fourth of the five games. And the Friday night game, they play the Lakers. And then Saturday against Golden State. And, and Golden State has uh, – let me check them out. Golden State plays the Clippers tonight. They're off Thursday. They're off Friday. And they play the Clippers on Saturday. I'm going with Golden State. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Clippers just to be different. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll go with Golden State too, and then we'll give, we'll give Sekou the Clippers. How's that? Nice, nice. All right. Yeah. All right, and final game will be Miami at Indiana. Hmm. Huh. People forget that they played pretty well in the playoffs last yeah. season. Uh, Indiana's been playing better, too. Yeah. Um, Indiana is at home. Have they played each other yet this year? Uh, that's a good question. I think so, right? That's a good question. I think this is the first game. I can look. Um, stats. I'm calling it up here. Um, I'm feeling Indiana, man. In Indiana, they're playing better. They're all right. Better. I'll, I'll go with Indiana with you. We'll, we'll take it and we'll give Sekou Miami. Nice. All right. So Rick and Lang take Indiana, Sekou Miami. Just want to write that down. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're done for today. Um, so Rick. Enjoy. I would say for to you, enjoy your time in the wonderful Bahamas before you have to go back to beautiful California. And uh, what I, what I will do? For, I'm actually coming through Atlanta. I'll be in Atlanta tomorrow, tomorrow or there. Friday night. Friday night NBA TV. All right. Friday night and Saturday night. And uh, what I what I would do is I would send you a photo of me on the beach. I already saw the one you posted uh, on Instagram yesterday. Yeah, but that was that was neck up. What I'll do is I'll travel around the pool and see if I can send you all some photos of some other people in bathing suits. <laughs> no. I'd rather see a picture of hey, someone else. Hey, thanks for that. Yeah, well, I, yes. if, it, if I have to see a picture of someone in a bathing suit, I'd rather it be someone other than you, Rick. No offense. but <laughs> So I'll, I'll send one. Let me send one to Shaq because he's going to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. I'm Lane Whitaker. That's Rick Fox. Seku, we miss you. Hopefully, uh, we'll be back next week. Talk to you all soon. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, Sekuna Matata.